Motor Mouths, Ditch and Bud on News Talk 98.9, the roar of Memphis. Welcome to another Saturday of talking about cars. I'm Every Ditch. Week, I'm Bud. And we are the Motor Mouths. Thanks for listening once again this week. We're going to talk more about cars. As a matter of fact, for the next hour, we're going to talk about cars. Uh, and there is plenty to talk about in the automotive world. And, you know, something about the Motor Mouths is it's not just a uh, do-it-yourself show. We just talk about the automotive world in general. Sometimes we spend a lot of time on EVs. Sometimes we spend a lot of time on collector's cars. Sometimes we do talk specifically about do-it-yourself work on your car. And this daily week, drivers gonna, and appliances. Don't forget your daily drivers and appliances. That's right. And this week, <laughs> we're going to talk a little bit about all of the above. There's a lot of automotive news with the uh, auto uh, UAW, and we'll get into uh, to that here in just a few minutes. But, Bud, let's first uh, let them know how they can reach out to us. Rick's Powder Coating text line is 901-683-0989, and they can go online and uh, reach us other different ways. Huh? Now, of course, we've got the motormouths.com. You can email us there. You can find me on Twitter at Bud Motormouth. You can find me on YouTube, Thordy's Garage, T-H-O-R-D-Y. That's Thordy's Garage. And I'm live on Twitch every Friday and Sunday. All right. So where do we begin today, Bud? Where should we uh, – where, where, how should we dive into this uh, – this one first you know i got something fun i'd say let's start with something fun because it's going to be kind of a wild show so we're talking about these possible strikes we're talking i also i got a lot to talk about with self-driving cars you know evs have kind of taken over the conversation about new exciting technology for the automotive industry and and while there's a little bit of people talking about some of these self-driving cars i think it's the reality is like we're like way closer than you think but we'll get to that later first i thought we'd start with something fun there's this clip circulating of ludicrous i'm not a huge fan of his music but uh his car stuff I've, I've kind of followed a little bit he still has his original 1993 acura from before he blew up and became famous he's got a he's got a 93 acura and here i'll just i'll just play the clip here i still got my 1993 acura legend to this day it has over 253,000 miles on it still my favorite car you know why because it keeps me grounded it's my anchor i had this car before i got a major record deal started making millions of dollars and i still have that car now because it reminds me of the hustle and the struggle of everything that i went through and it brings me back to where i first started so i don't have that same kind of attitude he does about reminding me of the struggle and all that stuff but i do still have my first car uh, i think it's super cool that he's that he's still holding out at 267,000 miles it showed on the screen and he's it's still in great shape and i've seen those acuras last that long they they'll do it they'll if you take care of them they'll last you know, for me, it's a, there's a couple of different things about this. Uh, I think everybody can relate to your first car. And I mean the first, your first car. I was, you know, I got a car, uh, a hand-me-down from my dad's farm that I got to drive when I was in in high school and I had a CJ uh, 7 that I drove around in. But it wasn't mine. It was kind of like a loner until I could get my own. When I graduated, was my a, very... Mine was an 87 Plymouth Horizon. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I had, for some reason, my dad loved AMC at that point. My sister had a Pacer. I had a Gremlin. Uh, but again, those weren't, you know, that wasn't a car that I got. So when I graduated, it was, I got and made enough money to go to a, a car dealership and got a Pontiac Sunbird. No air conditioning. I remember driving to Texas in August and that thing. Oh, my God, it was miserable. Those are a convertible but, at least, right? No. Oh, I no. Pre yeah. 
I appreciate that car, so I can see what Ludacris is talking about, although I never wanted it back. I mean, once I got rid of it, it was see you later. Uh, but I do appreciate that. I think everyone can appreciate. You know, that's sort of a that's sort of a, a moment in your life. You know, you, you get out of school and you move kind of the next level. You get your first job. You go out and make your first big purchase, and it's a car. That's for, you know, that's a lot of people's when I, life. And when I drive the Matador, I feel like that 17 year old kid again, you know, and I, I think yeah. that's again, we've talked about first cars a lot. That's just that feeling uh, that, that that's one of the reasons people love going after their first cars. It does remind them of that time. Uh, another thing I wanted to follow up on from last week, Ditch, I looked it up and you were right about the Loctite, the difference between the red and the blue. Blue is I wouldn't say reusable, but it can be undone. Red is meant for permanent. It, 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 it's expected to be permanent if you're using red Loctite. And, and Loctite is what you put on a bolt that, you know, like I was having a problem with bolt. My uh, steering uh, uh, rack and pinion kept vibrating loose. Have, and, you, have, uh, you, uh, have you come to a conclusion on that yet? Did you figure out why it was coming loose? No, not yet. But what I did was I did what you your theory. I, I got a, a nut to fit on the other side of the bolt because it goes all the way through the, the rail. Right. And uh, I just tightened it down with that. Uh, and with so far it's holding? Yeah, yeah awesome. it's, it's fine now. Yeah, so I didn't have to use Loctite, but you you may see Loctite on on a bolt, and if and if again if it's red, you got to be careful if you're going to use power tools to get that off because there's a good chance it will break it. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's this terrifying trend I see on TikTok where if you have a very uh, these are these are from mechanics if they have a very irate customer they put red Loctite on the drain plug and hammer it into the oh, oil pan. Man. And after seeing that every time I do an oil change because if you do any any repair on a car like half the time you end up doing the oil change with it. You know, customers got it in the shop. They say you know yeah do all that do all, you know do the shocks the struts what it needs and then just knock out the oil change while I got it in the air. So I end up doing a lot of these and every time the drain plug is a little bit harder. To I, I panic and I'm like, oh no, there's red Loctite in there. I just know it. I just know it. We're going to be, they're going to need a new oil pan. Yeah. <laughs> Hasn't happened yeah, yeah. yet. Knock on wood. Now, uh, and I think, I assume we'll get to some more of your, uh, uh, your shop horror stories. Oh, I got later. plenty this week, man. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. But what about that North Star starter you brought up last <laughs> yeah, week and yeah. talked about for people? First of all, Bud, just give us a little context about the North Star. Um, it's it is the worst idea that has ever happened to engines. Well, no, that's that's probably a tall order, but it's one of the worst ideas to have ever happened to engines. It's a transverse V8, so it's a front wheel drive with a transaxle uh, setup in Cadillacs, and the the two major failure points were either they would blow their head gaskets because of the aluminum heads with very tiny head bolts or they would leak oil profusely. And as I've said, the joke is uh, you feel bad for the guy who says, yeah, I got this almost perfect Cadillac, 70,000 miles. It's just got a little oil leak. But the, uh, <laughs> the it gets it gets worse with that thing because the starter is actually like inside the motor. It's not like most V8s where it's on the bottom and you just get under the car and pull it down. It is literally underneath the intake. You have to take the intake out to get to it. It's not that terrible of a job, but it's still, you look at it and it's just like you want, you, you wonder what the engineer was thinking. Yeah, because last week here on the Motor Miles, we were talking about, you know, are, do engineers sit around and design stuff sometimes with with the repairs in mind or is it just how can we put this in a compact space as quickly and easily as possible uh because uh, some some of the you know in history some of the automotive engineering mistakes especially for you guys and uh who, who work in shops you, you know you see it and, and it makes it tough for people. Like you said last week, Mercedes, there are manufacturers who really do just want you to take it to their shops. And uh, there's a reason for that. So. I, I feel like German cars do that. I think we've said that before. It's it's the, yeah. the, the German the German 
manufacturers have a very specific way they want things done. And while they do have really good step-by-step guides, it's always very elaborate and pretty complicated. Like I said, most of my techs don't want to touch the stuff. Coming up here on the motor house, I want to ask you, uh, Bud, you work uh, with tires a lot, and we had a at my house, we had a tire situation, and I questioned the shop on their reasoning for completely replacing the tire. And uh, I get this all the time. Four brand new tires started out with uh, 16 millimeters of tread, worn down to about 15 millimeters. I mean, that's how new these tires are. And a puncture wound on the uh, on the tread. Now we're not on the outer wall. We're on the tread that is closest to the outer wall and they said it cannot be patched like it cannot be repaired if it's that last tread block we call that the shoulder and then it's it's between the tread on the the last block and you know the next one into the tire yeah Yeah, that's called that's called the shoulder and uh the big question there is is it in a position that flexes every time the tire rotates that's the big that's really what you have to look at because uh if you got if about an inch of a radius around the puncture will remain flat, you're good. Well, I was very, I, I, I questioned it. I really did. And I questioned them and they just said, sorry, it's, it's just our policy. You're going to have to get a new tire. We won't replace or we won't patch it. Well, you have to replace it. Now, because they're new tires, uh, we did get a new one with a usage uh, 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 discount on it because it had lost a, you know, went from 16 millimeters to 15. So we ended up getting a brand new tire for 30 bucks uh, installed. But I, I thought that it, it could have been easily repaired, but they, they refused and they just there was no there was no arguing with them about it. So and I figured that's something you get all the time. Absolutely. All right, coming up here on the Motor Mouths, we're gonna talk some more about EVs. There's a lot of news about self-driving cars. How do you feel about that? And Automotive strike, the UAW, as that gets closer and closer, where is that going to leave the automotive industry? There's a lot of uh, industry experts who uh, have been weighing in. It's, you know, the deadline is the 15th. It's uh, next next Friday, and we're going to talk about that coming up here on the Motor Mouse. I'm Ditch. I'm Bud. And we're the Motor Mouse. The Motor Mouse, Ditch and Bud on News Talk 98.9. Back at it to talk more about cars here. I'm Ditch. I'm Bud. And we are the Motor Mouths. You can reach out to us and get involved in the conversation. 901-683-0989. That is our uh, our line direct to the studio. Rick's Powder Coating text line will get your message on the board to us anytime during the course of the week. If you have something about cars you want to talk about, uh, that's the way to get it to us for sure. And then, of course... You can reach me on Twitter at I am Ditch. Bud, you got all kinds of social media action. Well, we got the motormouths.com and you can hit me up on Twitch at Bud Motormouth. Now let's talk about the looming strike. The UAW is presented, has been presented by Ford, by General Motors, about a 14, between 14 and 16% pay increase for workers. That's not anywhere near enough, is it? Yeah, the the UAW demands uh, are 46% increase in pay. They want a 32-hour work week, more vacation, more pension, which I'm sure some of that is meant to be, you know, you give it up at the negotiating table. I'm not going to I'm not going to pretend to be a political strategist or anything like that, but uh, that seems to me to be how that works. They want more pension and then of course, 
you know, the the North American COO of Stellantis uh, called it a losing proposition, which for those who don't know, Stellantis is a massive conglomerate that owns, you know, Chrysler, Fiat, Peugeot, uh, Vauxhall, over some of the overseas companies, Jeep, Alfa Romeo, Citroen. The list goes on. They essentially own all the Chrysler brands that we know, Dodge, Ram, like you said, Jeep. and uh, Yeah, Fiat uh, they, bought Chrysler uh, back, in, I think it was 2014, and then Stellantis bought Fiat. Just, I, I just practically think about this, just from a practical perspective. If you're an employee, if you're, where you work, if you were to go to your boss tomorrow and say, I want a 50% pay increase, either that, that request is, that ask is so big because you know it's not going to happen that maybe uh, you've, you, no, essentially, you're leaving yourself a ton of wiggle room. That's that's my theory. There's no way a company can survive by giving their workforce a, essentially a 50% pay increase. It's it's insane. It's absolutely insane. And when what is the date? The drop dead date before so a strike? Se- is September 14th is when they're threatening to to strike. Is by four the 14th. And we uh, you know we've had a couple of big strikes this year. One uh, the railroads and uh, you know some of the other uh, freight industry has threatened to strike. But uh, the the Hollywood strike that's going on and uh, this one is just insane what their their ask is just so outlandish in my opinion uh and to say well man when you look at the bottom line of these companies they're making billions of dollars ford has reported that you know the the tens of thousands of dollars that they're losing on every ev that comes off the line oh yeah and then to say and that massive infrastructure they're investing in and all that and the the factories It's going to be a long time before they see any profit from that. And then we find out that people don't even want the F-150 Lightnings. They were a kind of a fun novelty for some people, but I think most people don't want them. They're not they they can't really do truck things. Well, and and here's the other here's one other thing I want to point out about uh, the EV industry. At least there's at least what I've seen this week. One manufacturer that I've seen, Mercedes has come out and said cuz they initially were on that that we're going to be all electric by 2030. Well, guess what, bud? They've modified that statement now. Of course. Because they're discovering that consumers want the choice. They don't want uh, to be all in now. So now they're going to have a fleet or a, a sector of their brands that will be electric, and you'll be able to choose. They're focusing more. A lot of these car manufacturers are going to start focusing uh, focusing back on hybrids. That's and, what um, I'm saying, man. Can't we just yeah. skip all this mess and get to the hybrids? That's where we're going to land. Like I think we've all kind of figured that out by now, and I feel like we've been telling them for years now, we just want choice. Make the EVs. It's fine. Just give us the option. Yeah. And so Mercedes has, I think, heard that now. And they said, okay, we're adjusting our all-in by 2030 prediction and saying, yeah, not so fast. Not so fast. You know, so, just uh, look- on, on the Mercedes thing, just a, a brief preview of all the self-driving engineering that we're going to be talking about later in the show. Uh, something I always found kind of funny. This is this is dating back a few years. Uh, it, it, when they started developing their own self-driving, Mercedes, that is, they solved an ethical problem in the most Mercedes way possible. And the problem with self-driving is how do you tell a computer to make an ethical decision? If, if veering left hits a bunch of old folks and veering right hits a bunch of children, how do you tell the computer the ethical decision to make? You got to pick one. It's like that whole trolley program uh, problem. Oh, and, wow. and Mercedes answer to this again is like the most Mercedes thing ever. They say whatever protects the driver. 
So they're they're programming the AI for their self-driving to make the decision that will protect the driver. So if it's run over the children, there's a 20% chance to save the driver. Run over the old people is a 30% chance to save the driver. Then it goes for the run over the old people option oh because that's a higher percentage <laughs> that the driver will be safe. And it's 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 one of those things that's kind of hard to get mad because there's really no good good solution here so it's and and mercedes is do well they're the ones paying for our cars so we'll we'll prioritize them and again it's like it feels wrong but it's like well what's your what's how do you handle that what's your idea yeah they're 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 in it to protect their customer uh that's for sure also uh with the ev marketplace comes you know they're smart cars essentially you remember when the smart car the actual smart car the brand name smart car came out it wasn't really that smart it was just tiny and it fit a a green agenda and you know you still see a few of those, but I'm talking yeah, about a I still car see them that... running around. And you know what's kind of cool about those is you can park them. You can park them in a in a like a parallel parking spot, but at a like at a perpendicular angle. Like you can just pull straight oh, yeah. in. I just want to point out that it doesn't matter whether you have an EV or not these days. Our cars are so computerized now. The average automobile manufactured has 1,400 microchips in it, and you know there's all. And that's kinds what drove a lot data. of the supply line issues that we saw last year and the year before, didn't it? That's exactly right. And there's a ton of data that your car's computer is collecting on you, and there is a way to essentially keep your car from listening to you and sending that data to manufacturers. And of course, some manufacturers require you to take it to a shop to do it. But yes, big tech, essentially, like your phone, you've you've always, you know, I, I don't know that any, any day, the day will come when you're sitting there talking about how you would love, you know, some fresh watermelon and suddenly your self-driving car starts driving you into a Kroger parking lot. I don't think it's going that far. <laughs> Not but yet. Because we've heard about the stories on your phone, like, hey, man, I was, I was talking about a new computer and all of a sudden these ads started popping up on my phone. Uh, I don't think we're there yet with cars, but the data that your car uh, keeps on all these uh, uh, these screens that are in your car. So there is a way to stop it. They they do have an opt out, but most manufacturers require it to go to the dealership to do that. It's not as simple as you think, and most people really don't know. It's called stalkerware, and uh, and there there are steps if you were really paranoid about it. But think about that: fourteen hundred microchips on average are in your car in different points to keep track of of your driving details like your name, your address. Even your driver's license number on some on some occasions. Tesla is the worst offender, according to the article on Fox News. Biometrics collected uh, from your car's camera. Voice recordings collected from your car's voice assistant. Uh, data synced on all your devices. I mean, your car essentially is a mobile computer, bud. Yeah, and it's your, it's 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 as sophisticated as your phone, and you're just always uh, always in the grip of technology. But you traded for the convenience, I guess. the The thing that scares me, the the one thing I'm worried about is government corporation doesn't really matter. Whoever gets their mitts on the idea, and I'm sure some guys are already kicking this around to where it's like, hey, we didn't like that post you put on Twitter. You can't make fun of Mr. Elon like that. We're we're restricting the use of your Tesla for the next 24 hours or something, you know, some kind of yeah. withholding access to your vehicle from you. Uh, I mean, I could I could see it start out being used where it's like, hey, you haven't made your payment this, this month, therefore you can't drive it, which again, I don't know exactly how I feel about that. It feels a little bit like like a little rough, but um, again, I'm not a politician. I don't, I don't want to set policy shut or anything, down. but they'll just shut it off. Right. But but it, it could be said, you know, should that be allowed or you could even do I could see stuff where, uh, you know, how they, they put the the, the block 
blower, if you get a DUI, they're like, okay, we'll let you drive your car, but you got to blow clean into this machine every time you drive it because we can't trust you to not be drunk when you get in your car. What if they uh, also had programs where it's like, okay, you are only allowed to drive between the hours of 8 and 10, you know, because of some violation you made. We're not going to take your license from you because you need to still get to work because we want you to be able to pay your fines. But how about you can't, you can only, or they can track you, you can only drive to work and home. Right. If they, yeah. Hey, we, we saw you went to the bar. We can't have that. You're you're lose your license privileges. Like these are the now, kind there, of things there, that concern me. Some of the claims that this is beneficial to the consumers is it, it, it can help you save on insurance because insurance companies right. are the ones that are collecting most of this data from the car manufacturers. Uh, don't know about that, but that's that's some of the claims that they're uh, talking about and all the data that's collected from your car. Coming up here on the Motor Mouse, bud, we got to talk about some of the nightmares that you've had to deal with. Oh, this I week, got, like I, I said, man, every week I'm coming to the table with some horror stories. I guess I got a doozy this week. All right. Looking forward to that and looking forward to more of your comments and your questions here on the Motor Mouse. I'm Ditch. And I'm Bud. And we are the Motor Mouse. Like dropping an LS3 and an AMC Pacer. The Motor Mouse. Ditch and Bud on News Talk 98.9. All right. Thanks for sticking with us. I'm Ditch. I'm Bud. And we are the Motor Mouths, continuing our conversation about cars. We've uh, covered quite a bit this hour. If you want to uh, get involved in the car conversation, 901-683-0989, our Rick's Powder Coating text line. You can get a message on the board there. Uh, social media, the website. Of course, we got themotormouths.com. You can hit us up with an email there. You can email me directly at budroar at gmail.com. You can come interact with me live every Friday and Sunday on twitch.tv slash 30undead. I'll put all those links in my Twitter at budmotormouth. How's the Twitch going? You, you know, Excellent. You, uh, you do all kinds of stuff. People talk to you about all kinds of things, including cars. Yeah, absolutely. I do horror games on Friday. And that one's been that's been kind of a good recurring uh, uh, stream every every week. I've been having a good time with that. Sundays are kind of random. I just call it Sunday Funday. And then when I get the opportunity, I do mechanic Mondays. Uh, I usually end up working late on Monday, so I can't always do it. But th- those are fewer and far between. But I'm always available to um, talk about cars. And I actually have like a I have a redemption thing in there where uh, I can I'll share with you my shop nonsense because I take pictures of everything at the shop, all the all the horrific sights that I see with all the nonsense coming through i always get i always get pictures so i can share it with everybody and i think you know since we're on the subject of horror stories we should probably uh uh, get to some of this week's uh, best coming into the shop, bud. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So just out, out the gate, I got to tell you about the uh, the Hyundai that the tire blew on this thing, and they drove on it for probably about five miles on just the rim. They completely now, tore the rim, and then but the and the the kicker is the guy had the nerve to ask me if he needed a new rim. I I kid you not. This is unbelievable because last week Bud told us a story about the per- the woman who put like eighty pounds of pressure in her tire. Uh, 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 and and, uh, it was, uh, it was, and yeah, it was, it was a blowout. It was a it was a big blowout. And and now uh, you got somebody who drove it uh, on the rim. We see it all the time around Memphis. You'll see cars limping in uh, uh, or along the side of the road, just driving on a rim. And to think that you don't have to get a new rim, oh, it doesn't look that bad. Surely you can put a new tire on that rim. Come on, bud. Yeah, easily. No, it was it was pretty bad. That thing was tore up. So that was that was one. And it was, it's always Hyundai's with these. I I, I tell you. And uh, we had we had a a Mazda with this. This is kind of a, a horror story from the perspective of the customer because uh, they had they were having coolant issues. Their 
the the symptoms were like the temperature needle kept dropping to zero and then it would spike back up and then it would drop to zero and they'd drive for an hour and it would just be sitting at zero. So they're not actually able to monitor the temperature of their engine. And if that's happening, that also means that if the engine overheats, it's likely the light won't come on to warn you because it, it turned out it was a bad temperature sensor that was reading the coolant temperature. But the, the real, that's not the horror story. The horror story was it was the housing that this sensor screws into. The sensor, you can get that at any parts store for 40 bucks no problem but even though uh, the sensor wasn't actually what was bad it was the housing that the sensor goes into it was a little aluminum block maybe the size of your fist half the size of that and mm -hmm. only available in japan five days in order to get it so her car's got to sit in the shop and she either has to take uber or get a ride to work for five days straight because it was too risky to drive it. like we told her like you could drive this thing but you really shouldn't because you can't monitor the temperature of your engine so she opted to she's like you know, fortunately for her she had another car you know she's like i can get to work that's fine but the car the, the shop has to sit in my car for five business business days it ended up, it ended up being about seven or eight days uh, while we wait for this special order part from japan so stuff like that can happen that's a a different kind of horror story but it's still i would i would hate to have that happen and, and i'm sure plenty of our listeners out there have experienced that where you think okay i'll drop the car off it'll be done by noon and they call you and say monday Monday, and it's a part problem, and there's more and more of that. And, of course, your front counter, uh, and you deal with people on the front end. Would you rather deal with people on the front end or in the sh or not have to deal with them at all and, and, and be back uh, behind the garage doors? Having, you know, honestly, honestly, I prefer to talk to people. I like to talk to people, and I would rather you put me in front of people, but I do – prefer to occasionally have like like I love my uh my my warehouse hours because whenever we get deliveries I go and stock the warehouse I I go and take care of that business I manage the I manage the whole we have some four or five hundred tires in the warehouse back there and I manage all of that and organize it and I kind of relish some of the time I get to spend back there because all the noise has stopped either either in the shop or from the customers I can just kind of work on stuff so um, but career wise, what I pursue and what I try to get good at is talking to people and working with customers. I, I, I can turn wrenches. I don't, I don't hate it. I would rather do that for fun on my own cars and then talk yeah. to customers about their cars, which, uh, I got, okay. So speaking of talking to customers about their cars, this story is absolutely hilarious. Although I kind of feel bad about it. So a uh, girl comes in and says, hey, uh, I, I'm my brakes are making noise. Can you look at it? I put it in the air. That's another thing I do at the shop is I do a lot of the inspections. When someone comes in and says they have a problem, I check it out first, figure out what it needs, and then decide which mechanic is going to work on it. And she said she might need brakes. I looked at her history. She had had her front brakes done pretty recently and I put it in the air, popped the wheels off it. Rear brakes were totally fine, but she needed front brakes. And I told her that and she's did the, you know, I got to call my dad. She was probably, you know, 22, 23. This usually that's usually the case. I got to call my dad. see what he says. So uh, she's out in front of the store for a little while. I go back to my other stuff. Um, I come back in the lobby and she's there with her dad. Her dad showed up at the store and he oh, it, no. he was concerned we were scamming her because she had her brakes done recently. And he was like, I want to okay. see this right now. He was he was kind of he was he was holding it back. He was you could tell he was infuriated. <laughs> so I was like, come with me. I give him the glasses. I walk him back into the shop and I I say, you see these brakes? I'm like, these are worn out. And then I pointed I had to point out to him. I'm like, you see these these blue marks here? These are burn marks. I'm like, sir, you and, and you look at the rear, the rear were fine. I'm like, sir, you need to have a conversation with your daughter 
about slamming on the brakes at the last minute. The evidence, the evidence, just from looking at the brakes, I could tell her. And I asked him too. I'm like, does she, does she brake ladies? Like, yeah, you know, I don't ride with her that much, but I would, I would think so. It turns out she pretty much has to have been. And he, he went and asked her about it. We worked it out afterwards. Like I went back and, and he said, yeah, do the brake job. And then, um, uh, when she, when she, paid and was all done she said yeah my dad just talked to me about braking late so basically she was waiting till the last minute and slamming on the brakes rather than slowly coming to a stop like most of us do she she had to have been slamming on her brakes like she thinks you were just supposed to like get up close to the car and then and then put it to a stop and then hammer the brakes wow so she went i think i think four and a half thousand miles on her front brakes like it was that bad and she was she was burning them up and when you when you overheat them like that the the pads get brittle and they wear out faster too and, so, and Pop thought that she was getting scammed. Yeah, but and, it was really uh, just, and this is something I talk about a lot with the customers is they ask me how long are brakes good for, and I tell them there's no answer to that. It all depends on how you drive, and if you're if yeah. you're commuting 50 miles a day on the highway, your brakes are going to last forever. But if you're driving like this 22-year-old girl slamming on her brakes at the last minute all the time, you're going to be my favorite customer. Man, that that's crazy. That is crazy. But he ended up being happy. She got her brakes fixed, and hopefully well, she's, he was, uh, he wasn't he wasn't unhappy with us. Let's put it that way. He he yeah. you know he he understood where we were coming from, and I was able to explain it all to him, and he was he was fine with it. But he had to. I know he had to be like, girl, you need to. Yeah, I mean, he clearly she needed more practice driving the right way. I guess you know there, it's so easy to get your license these days. It seems even with uh even with uh you know they 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 teach uh they teach drivers ed in school up here. I don't know what the class is like. I haven't taken it in twenty some years, but the uh that that she just didn't she just thought that's how you're supposed to drive is you just hit the brakes way later than you don't slow down and ease up to it you wait till you're almost there and wail on them i i suppose again i'm, I'm basing it on the evidence and and the conversations they had and then i got one more i got one more story for you ditch let's hear uh, it uh so girl comes in i'm about to about to close 30 minutes from closing and she goes hey i just put my wheel back on this guy was supposed to do my control arm but it's making this loud grinding noise can you look at it so i put it in the air and it was i, I kind of suspected it once i heard it it's it's the if you've heard the sound of a backing plate dragging against the disc then you know it i'll, I'll try to get us some audio of it next time i next time i get one of these it's very uh, noticeable very you, noticeable you, you, yeah, you can yeah. tell something's dragging on the rotor and one of the one of the questions i ask people when they're like my car is making a noise as i say does it make the noise when the car is moving or when the engine's running because if it's just if it's if the engine is causing the noise like if it if just the engine running is is causing that then then that's where you look but if it's ba if it, you only hear the noise when the car is moving then you look at the drivetrain and anyway I, I as soon as the second i heard it i was like that's a that's a backing plate so i put it up in the air and there's a squish mark on the bottom or not a squish mark but the bottom of the backing plate is squished it's very mm. clear evidence it fell off a jack like that's that's what happens when when you don't when you have the wheel off it falls off the jack the backing plate is the lowest part of the uh like the knuckle and the the suspension arm and all that it's the lowest point so that got smashed and and basically destroyed her rotor because she had been driving Ooh. on it for about like a week like that she's like it's been a you know, i just put my wheel back on but it's been it's been a week and it's it's been sounding like this and uh in that just that amount of time it destroyed her rotor so the guy who was supposed to be doing her control arm who couldn't even do it um basically cost her a set of brakes because you you can't just you can't i mean you could just put a pad on one side but i wouldn't i would just do the the front brake job at that point so I had a uh, earlier, bud, we were talking about the uh, tire with the puncture wound in it, as I call it, right. puncture wound. Uh, and I, I jacked up the car. It's a Toyota 4Runner 2019, uh, big tires on this thing. And um, 
I put a, I, I thought, man, should I put a jack stand underneath this thing or not? I've just got the, I've got the floor jack underneath. That, sh that should be fine. Well, guess what? If I, I had, I didn't tighten the cylinder down all the way and it, the jack slowly started to go down. Oh yeah. I won't, I, I won't go and, near a car without a jack stand. And I all. realized at that point, I didn't tighten down the cylinder enough to keep it from collapsing. And I caught it before it got all the way down, but Scared the hell out of me, to be honest with you. Uh, and it was at that point that I learned I, I, I'm just one of those. I've got jack stands laying all over my carport. I'm like, God, just grab a jack stand and put it underneath there next time. But that's really important to have a good set of jack stands. A hundred percent of the time. I won't. I won't. You only use the jack to put it on the jack stand. And then you, and then you begin to work because it's just it's not stable. It's not safe. You know, the only exception to that is the the kit that comes with your, uh, you know, with your spare tire. You can use that that little scissor jack. To change your tire out, you do it quickly. Also, those scissor jacks are not hydraulic; they're mechanical. So, and they got that long, yeah. that long worm gear on there. So, you're not gonna really worry about those collapsing. But they aren't stable either; they're very thin. So, you know, they're just there to to change your tire out for for that fact. The but scissor yeah, always... jack exactly is not made for repairs of any kind. That right. those things are are uh, so flimsy, and most people I don't think really even understand uh uh their the the pivot point where they're supposed to actually put their jack in underneath their car. Right on the uh, pinch weld um, yeah yeah and uh there is a spot for that that's why you have to really pay attention to that stuff uh it's really important to uh to especially if you're gonna work on it and i know those who listen to the motor mouths and work on their cars a lot they understand it but i was just reminded of the importance of it just this week uh e even with a hydraulic floor jack i didn't tighten that cylinder down enough and it started to slowly go down uh but i caught it all right you are listening to the motor mouths i'm ditch i'm bud and we are the Motor Mouse. More coming up after this. More horsepower than a BMW Isetta. The Motor Mouse. Ditch and Bud on News Talk 98.9. Right. Thanks for sticking around to the Motor Mouse. I'm Ditch. I'm Bud. And we are the Motor Mouse. We want uh, to... Get your input, uh, suggestions, you want to add to the conversation, 901-683-0989, our Rick's Powder Coating text line. You can do it on uh, social media as well. I am Ditch on Twitter. Bud's got a Twitter account. It's, uh, well, it's of course. It's, it's, it's X, formerly known as, right? Yeah, of course. Oh, yes, yes, yes. The platform formerly known as Twitter. You can find me there at Bud Motormouth. And this is a subject we're really going to be interested in your feedback on because self-driving cars are they it seems it, it still seems like it's such a distant future uh thing that we don't have to worry about but they're literally right around the corner i i think a couple of years from now we're gonna see them all over the place as far yeah, as i don't not, know as far as i can tell we're not to the jetsons status yet <laughs> uh where we'll be you know hovering around although that's probably Within the next 50 years. You know what? Uh, what the movie comes to mind is The Sixth Day with uh, with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And their their representation of self-driving was very realistic. Uh, it, it shows him and his partner in a car together and the steering wheels like compressed. And they're both like like leaning back against the door talking to each other. And they have their conversation. And then when it ends, um, you know, you hear the car say uh, uh, automatic driving ready to disengage. Are you ready? And he yes. And then the, the steering feel steering wheel like opens up and then he takes over manual driving we saw that with uh we saw that in uh irobot as well where he's mm -hmm. manual driving up on the roads but then on the highway it's all self-driving 
And I don't know. What, what do you think, Ditch? Are you are you ready to welcome self-driving cars or are you still like against it? See, here, uh, this is the old man in me that I, I, I have a hard time converting to new to new to new ways of doing things. I'll, I'll just be honest with you. I really do. And, uh, you know, it took me a minute for EVs. I realized uh, that it is a thing of the future. They, they started to make EVs that looked attractive because they looked like the cars that we're used to seeing on the roads versus fun to drive. Looking. Yeah. Um, and I became a little more warmed up to them. However, and I'm the same thing with self-driving. I refuse to be pushed in one direction or the other. Choice is, is what it's all about for me. If there is a if, if there is a self-driving car that can get me home safe after a night of uh, you know uh, uh, having too much fun, then then that's cool. Uh, uh, and there will be a purpose for it. I, I still don't understand the purpose to self-driving cars. Now I Bud, you and I have talked about this before and and I and, and I think I know where you're gonna go with this. There is actually a purpose, believe it or not. And it's not just because it's cool. Uh, but I'm still not there yet. I, I still am like, yeah, you know what? I, it, I'm not afraid of self-driving cars. I'm that, just not we, ready the, for it yet. Yeah, the technology does need to catch up, but that's kind of what, what, what prompted this conversation is uh, Elon Musk just did a 45-minute live stream on X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it, the the, the the platform formerly known as Twitter. It's a mouthful. He he did 45 minutes, and he only had to intervene once. It was They were testing out the new version 12 of the self-driving software, and what's crazy is now the the car is completely capable of of managing it without being connected to a network or uh, they didn't specify GPS, but it doesn't need uh, it doesn't need any kind of network support for processing in order to use all of its cameras and and identifiers. And the only hiccup he had was it misread a light as green. That was red because the left turn signal light was green. But, you know, every time something like that happens, they dig back in and and fix it and update it. So it we're we're seeing we're seeing kind of uh, huge steps forward, and I think the technology is going to start to spread all over the country and not just be in Silicon Valley. Well, and look at it this way: see, I'm a big believer in uh, I want to be involved in things in my life that I can control, and if I'm in a self-driving car and I can't control that the car's camera mistook the color of a light and I get t-boned in an intersection because of it. There, there's the other side of that is, well, I, it, maybe I was going to get T-boned in that intersection anyway because I accidentally ran it. I, You know what I'm saying? I, I don't like things out of my control. That, right. That's where I'm having a hard time with well, this. Well, I think, I, think, I think Neil deGrasse Tyson had a really good take on this where he, he's talking about kind of the ethical implications of it, but he's, he's, discussing, uh, he's discussing, you know, where it's going to go because there, there's going to be dangers in developing the technology. But here, I'll, I'll play his take. I think it's a good one. We're not emotionally and intellectually ready for self-driving cars. I'll tell you why. Right now, we lose 35,000 Last year was 40,000 people to automobile accidents in the United States alone. That's an entire baseball stadium's worth of people every year. Every year, and we just accept that. Self-driving cars can drop that, let's say initially, from 35,000 to 5,000. Well, how did the 5,000 die? Oh, bugs in the software where there was driving towards a sunset, it thought it was a traffic light, it moved forward, and it mowed over people. So auto driving killed 6,000 people. Well, how about the, the 29,000 other people that didn't die? Is yeah. anyone writing an article 
about I'm, I'm, the undead people, the non-dead people. I'm right there. But what am I focusing so, on the wrong thing? So we have yeah. to get through that, is my point. Yeah. And one thing is for sure, you investigate every one of those, as the FAA does with plane accidents. And then you say, oh, here's why that happened. Let's recode it, upload the new software, and all cars in the world will now not have that, uh, repeat that accident. So We're I, think not the, emotionally I think the key to what he said there is that every time the the AI makes a mistake, you can investigate just like the FAA and then make sure none of the other cars make that mistake. You can't do that with, with people mistakes. You got one guy who gets T-boned because he wasn't paying attention and he was texting and you can't immediately train every other human in the world to not do that. We can, we can do the PSAs and it's, it's a great idea to not text and drive, but you know, there's still going to be people doing it and they're putting you in danger. So my, my kind of, my kind of attitude change on this ditch is, you know, if there's more self-driving, there's less idiots behind the wheel on the road. And, and, and you know what? I, I include myself. Sometimes I drive like an idiot. We all, we've all been there, you know? So I, I, I like the idea, uh, like, like we saw in like the reference, uh, the reference I was using from the sixth day where it's, you know, some highways are all smart driving and then some local roads, you're driving your own car around and you can engage it or disengage it at, at your will. See, I like, I'm fine with that idea where this is a designated uh, automated highway. Um, where you know that the car's on there. But the other, the, also to the point of re trying to remove human error mm -hmm. in something like driving, you know, there is always going to be uh, human interaction with everything that is, that you know, with the computers that we do. They all have to be programmed at some point in the process uh, by humans. You know, I know AI is starting to work farther and farther away from that. But uh, trying to have and to, and and build a human error-free car is, I, I guess, the goal of that is what, but safety. Yeah, and uh, it's a noble and, task when you think about it. Dude, when you think about it, we've said that we've said this since we've been saying this back since like our first episode on the motor mouths. Driving's the most dangerous thing we do on a regular basis when you think about it. Now there's some guys with careers that would definitely disagree with me, but for the most part, the average American, the most dangerous thing you do every day is get in the car and do 80 miles an hour or 50 miles well, an hour, and, you know? And it may not be, you may be a great driver. You're at, you're at the, again, I go back to, I want uh, to be able to control everything that I do in all of my circumstances. But when you enter a busy roadway, now you have hundreds of people around you that you can't control. Right. And I always thought it was funny. I remember seeing this this a long time ago. I saw this meme where it's like, you know, we're separated from people doing, you know, 50 miles an hour in the opposite direction by about six feet and a line and a promise that I'm not going to cross that line and that they're not going to cross that line, yeah. <laughs> you know, but it, it is it, it's a really dangerous thing. So to be able to to be able to automate it and and withdraw the human error and also things like this, too. You know, it's not just uh, it's not just preventing accidents and whatnot. Think about when you when you're at a when you're at a red light and you're four cars back and the light goes green. And the guy at the front isn't paying attention and you miss the light because the first guy wasn't paying attention. The second guy wasn't paying. They were probably on their phones. And now yeah, yeah. The, it's moving so inefficiently. If we were in a world where all those guys were in automatic driving cars, every as soon as the light goes green, all the cars start accelerating at the same rate and start moving. So there is an efficiency aspect this. there, too. Think about how much our phones and our, our devices in our hands have taken control of our lives. It's gotten to the point where, well, guess what? 
People uh, are are driving while staring at their phones. They're sitting at lights, staring at their phones. So instead of somehow making it so they can't do that and trust that humans won't do it, let's make it easier for them to stare at their phones and create a car that will drive for them so they can sit there and stare at their phones. Do you you know, I've said it before. I'll say it again, Ditch. Is? I love living in the future. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's great. But, uh, you know, I, but, you know, I, I, another thing, too, you said something, Ditch. You said, yeah, you know, you might be a good driver, but all the other people might not be. Also, you might be a good driver 98.9% of the time, but you just got off a 12-hour shift. It's late. You should have gone to bed an hour ago. You're exhausted. Are you a great driver at this point? You know, and, you, you, and granted, you probably get home safe, but there's risks. There's times where I've driven home where I'm like, man, I'm so tired. I shouldn't have driven, you know? So, I'll tell you where I, I could get behind self-driving cars, and that's long road trips. Oh, that would be nice. When cruise control gets yeah. you there, but not not all the yeah. way. This is definitely to be continued. There's a lot more to talk about. And what do you all think out there? What are your what's your take on self-driving cars? Hate it, love it, apprehensive. 901-683-0989, the Rick's powder coating text line to get involved in the conversation. I'm Ditch. I'm Bud. And we are the Motor Miles. We'll be back next week.